Welcome to the Betterism Podcast, a learning community seeking out life's unusual lessons from its unlikely places. I'm your host, Glenn Binger, author, teacher, and coach, and I'm here to help spark some collective growth. I hope you'll stick around and teach us a thing or two, but first, a few words from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is a magical fungi supplement company. No, we're not talking magic mushrooms. We're talking natural organic fungi. Lion's mane, chaga, turkey tail, reshi, uh, cordyceps, you name it. They have all different kinds of products available on their website. Um, blends that will help you think, uh, blends that will help you defend and build up your immune system, um, adaptogens that will help you chill out and relieve some of the stress of day-to-day life, especially this day and age. Um, Four Sigmatic has a lot of educational content on their website as well. If you click on their learn tab up top, they actually have something called the Mushroom Academy, which is very helpful. Uh, It's where I learned about the different fungi, mushrooms, and what they do specifically. Personally, I'm a big fan of their Think Blend or their Think Coffee Grinds with Lion's Mane and Chaga. Really kind of sets my brain on fire when I'm sitting down to write or record or put something together for a project I'm working on. Um, They have all kinds of products from proteins to coffee blends to uh, extracts. Um, Check them out at foursigmatic.com. That's four spelled out, F O U R. S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com. If you use the promo code BETTERISM at checkout, you can save 10% off your order. That's foursigmatic.com. This episode is brought to you by Lifeblood. That's L-I-F-E-B-L-U-D. Lifeblood.co. Lifeblood is a bioenergetic-focused supplement company. They really focus and hone in on the energy restoration process of the body. Um, Their website has a ton of great educational resources on it, uh, specifically for each of their products. Uh, Those products range everything from uh, lion's mane to chaga extracts. Um, They have vitamin E. Personally, I'm a big fan of their magnesium supplement. I use that consistently, especially during the winter months to get me through the stress that comes with living in the Northeast. Um, their supplements, I really would like to highlight because they focus on the quality of their source material. There's no fillers, there's no chemical solvents in any of the ex, uh, extractions. Um, and really their products are some of the purest and highest quality in their class. So check them out. That's lifeblood.co, L-I-F-E-B-L-U-D.co. If you use the promo code BETTERISM, you can save 10% off your order. That's lifeblood.co. All right, friends. Hi there. Welcome to the Betterism Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Today we have a returning guest, Laura Lazowski. Lord, did I say that right? Did I get it right? You did. You got it. All right. <laughs> um, Laura's a returning guest. Uh, we've been having a little bit of chit-chat back and forth offline. Um, regarding everything from health to blogging to reading and especially books. Um, Laura, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Glenn. It's good to be back. I was just thinking in advance of chatting today that I never know what we're going to get into when we start talking, and I kind of love that. <laughs> I think that's one of the uh, – personally, I, I like that approach, and I don't know if I did this intentionally, but that's kind of how 
betterism evolved. Like it started off that way and it kind of just kept going. <laughs> and I find that like sometimes the best conversation, the best like little mini life lessons kind of stem out of that type of conversation. And it's, you know, not that there's anything wrong with those very structured podcasts, but sometimes they can be a little, mm, they feel like a little like boxed in. Yeah. And I feel like with betterism, I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to leave it a little more open-ended and the conversations, especially the last few that I've had um, with some of the awesome guests have been very like uh, food for thought filled. <laughs> I know it's kind of a mouthful, but like a lot of like stuff just kind of churns out of it that you wouldn't expect. So I figured once we were talking offline, I had to get you back on. I know <laughs> there's a lot of food for thought we were going back and forth with. Yeah, um, absolutely. I would love to start and feel free to divulge whatever info you want, but you had recently just overcome being uh, sick. I, I don't think it, it wasn't COVID, right? No, no. So where, um, I mean, yeah, you kind of came back from this and I know there was, we had some back and forth about like talking with doctors and doing some of our own homework and research, but I figured we'd start there and kind of branch off. Um, what, That's what happened? Yeah, well, do do you want the cliff notes or should I just <laughs> dive right on in? Totally up to you. Yeah, so um, the last time we spoke, I think, was sometime in the spring of last year. Um, and all was well. I was cranking along. I think at the time I was training to climb some mountains out in Alaska. Um, you know, life was good. Had never really had any significant health issues. And um, over the coming months, I just kind of noticed some different symptoms creeping in that I had never really noticed before. You know, random stomach pains and um, just a lot of fatigue that I knew I was training, but didn't really expect to uh, be as fatigued and just kind of out of it as I was brain fog. Sure. Um, yeah. And uh, kind of, you know, as you do, and just being kind of a tough guy just said, well, I'm going to get on with it and just ignore this for now. And it'll pass, right? Um, something that I will touch on later is, <laughs> I wish I had not <laughs> maybe done as much. But um, long story short, uh, you know, six months passed and I had just kind of kept on getting worse and worse and, and finally said enough is enough. I need to really start taking this seriously and, and start to see some doctors and, and kind of dig into this. Of course, when you have these mix of symptoms, you're kind of like, well, where do I start? Right. Um, I right. Hadn't, because I'm mid thirties had always been healthy, didn't really have an established, you know, kind of general, um, physician that I was working with. And so, um, you know, as, as, a woman decided I would go to my OBGYN, do my annual checkup, see what she had to say. She had a lot of things to say. You know, I'm very open about this as well, because I think especially for women, we need to really learn to ask a lot of questions when it comes to these things. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I walked out of the, the office um, after a couple appointments with her and had basically um, been diagnosed with endometriosis, which, you know, if you're not aware, it's essentially um, different tissues issues grow outside of the uterus in places that they're not supposed to and can cause for many women, not just during, you know, their normal monthly cycles, but um, all year round, an excruciating amount of pain. And there's really two options. You either get surgery to confirm it, or you just take a lot of hormones and try to control it and suppress it. Um, and so that was kind of my first exposure to uh, having a lot of medicine thrown at me where I had not mm. previously gone through an experience like that in the past. 
So I went home. I thought about it. I said, you know, maybe I Googled a whole heck of a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I ultimately left the medicine in the drawer and said, I'm not taking this. I am not, I've never been and don't want to be the person who just starts throwing pills at things. And I actually would say that was just more something that was um, instinctual for me uh, and not something that I, I really thought about making it as an active decision. Um, yes. Then, gosh, I mean, this story could go on and on, so I'll try to keep it short. But uh, <laughs> after that, I basically said, I really don't think we're getting it right. So um, sought out an internal medicine doctor, uh, sat down with the internal medicine doctor and kind of went through this, this just weird grouping of symptoms. And I said, you know, I don't know this. The weird thing is that this all just started right in the last six months when I've really been at home a lot, right? With, with everything mm. going on with COVID. And um, it also kind of coincided with me moving to Denver and moving into my house, all very odd timing, considering I had never really had any health problems before. Um, she started to say, you know, I don't know, it could be a bacterial infection, it could be this, it could be that. No real answers, right? Just a lot of let's <laughs> let's let's rule things out, basically. Um, right. and so from there, I worked with her to start ruling things out. I had, you know, referrals to a GI doc. I had referrals to a rheumatologist. I, um, took myself a number of times to the ER, to urgent care. It became like my weekend oh hobby my was to like, take myself to urgent oh my care God. on Friday afternoons, <laughs> just basically <laughs> all along the way saying, I don't feel right. And in, at some points I would have excruciating stomach pain. Like, I know it sounds horrible. And I actually can't believe that this is, I, I can't believe it myself looking back because I think we just so quickly say, we'll get on with it or some, there's no, there's nothing too serious going on here. Right. It'll just pass. Right. Um, and, you know, went through a slew of tests, you know, got an endoscopy, um, which is not fun. I don't know if you've ever had it. The only fun part about it was being under anesthesia where I was like, that was a really nice nap that I haven't had <laughs> in quite a while. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I mean, endoscopies, uh, you know, every possible blood work or testing under the sun, um, you know, paying $200 here, $200 here, $500 here for all these tests. And at the end of the day, you know, another six months later, come up with absolutely nothing. So at this point, I'm just getting absolutely so frustrated. And I, you know, I do think the details of this experience are, are really important because as I've started to share this story, with my friends, I found that a lot of people have gone through similar experiences and mm. many people are still in the, I don't know what's going on with me phase, or they've been, you know, diagnosed with something that they, they don't have much like I had been, um, and, you know, feel very helpless. So I was in that place of feeling very helpless. Um, and funny enough, I started to say, gosh, could this, this all did correspond with me moving to Denver. This all corresponded to me moving into this house. Could there be something in my environment? And again, I've learned so much more about this now, but didn't, it was all just very instinctual to me at the time. Could there be something in my environment that's corresponding to this? I mean, I eat right. super healthy and clean. I've always really cared about nutrition. Um, so I 
don't think it's too involved with that, but I'm looking for controls, right? Where can I control yeah, right. something? Um, so funny enough, I uh, said, well, you know, a place that I have been spending a lot of time this past year is sleeping in, in my bedroom and on my mattress. And I had recently read some, you know, silly article online about the off-gassing from mattresses. And so um, thought, hmm, you know, hmm, maybe that could be a thing. I, I did kind of go through three or four mattresses before I found one that I thought I liked, but um, maybe, maybe that could be a thing that I'm not getting a good night of sleep and uh, that's a contributing factor. So I went to an organic mattress store here in Denver and I met, I walk in and I complimented the sales lady on her lovely outfit that she was wearing that day, this lovely 60 year old lady named Doreen and her and I got to talking and I spent four hours at the mattress store that day talking with Doreen because she has also had a lot of issues with these kinds of things in the past and had basically, you know, um, felt for me and said, I totally understand how you're feeling right now. And let me make this recommendation to a naturopathic type of doctor that I've worked with before. He might be able to help you rather than going down this route of buying a $3,000 mattress right away. Yes. Right. So next thing I know, I find myself, um, at this naturopathic doctor and he takes one look at me and listens to exactly the story that I've just walked through with you. And he goes, you are living in mold. I guarantee it. I guarantee that there is something in your environment that's making you sick. And I was just like, yes, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> right. And this actually could. But also, no, there's no way that mold could do that. Right. Like we've all we've all seen mold. You leave oranges in the bowl in the kitchen for too long. You leave the bread out mold. You never would think that that could be such a contributing factor to illness. Um, but there are ways to test for this. So sure enough, he sent me to um, get a mycotoxin panel. It's basically a urine test that they look mm -hmm. for mycotoxins, which indicate that, you know, there's there's a heavy level of mold that you've been exposed to. And my very next appointment, I walked in and um, he said, the very first thing he said to me when I walked into the room was, my friend, you lit up like a Christmas tree. You have <laughs> been, your mycotoxin levels are four to 20 times what they should be. What? Um, yeah. And um, that was sort of very eye-opening and I'm not exaggerating when I say I lost it emotionally that day because as I mentioned with every had, yeah yeah I had spent I mean it, it was consuming my life um and I you know as I said to every of the other 17 doctors I saw before him uh I've been the picture of health my whole life, you know, look at my Instagram, right. I'm out climbing mountains and stuff. And, and I've really always focused on that. And I don't understand how I can go from 99% to 10% and how all, so many of you can say, that's okay. And let me walk out of your office without an answer. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the beginning of, of the journey. Um, I am still on the journey because, um, 
I would encourage everybody, I don't know if you've spent time with a naturopath at all um, through your own kind of uh, just just lifestyle and, and work on your health, but, um, you know, there's so many different tests that they can do that really uncover a lot of the other things. For example, your food sensitivities or um, what other things contribute to the overall toxin load that your body is under. You know, some people have been exposed to significant amounts of lead or um, you know, arsenic, other things that these things all start to kind of knock your body down. <laughs> and, yeah. and all of a sudden, it's like the pot that boils over. And, you know, that was actually the case for me. And so while the mold was the first finding, um, we were able to do a, a battery of quite expensive tests, I might add, which that's another topic, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, to determine that, you know, for example, we also found that it looks like I might, I may have Lyme disease and have had it for 20 years from when I lived in New England when I was 12 years old. Um, you know, Lyme is actually quite widespread now, but, you know, and so that was another maybe had been dormant, but has been ticking away at my immune system and my overall well-being. And so what essentially happened is there's a waterfall of things that we haven't even completely uncovered yet that contributed to me just absolutely crashing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's you know, a, there's, it's a there's, there's, oh, absolutely. And we're all, I mean, we're all still rolling along on our journey as, at the same time. I think that's important to recognize too is, you know, even though it might seem like, like the, the thing that really highlighted it for me in your story was that the day you found out that, that emotional flood mm -hmm. of both relief, which I imagine like, yes, finally I have an answer, but also like, okay, now what? Right. There's right. like that, there's like that pro and con side of it. Like it's emotional for a multitude of reasons, but also I mean, the, the thing that I would like to highlight is the fact that this all started with your ability to and your willingness to ask questions. I think that's that's pretty important. Like you, you didn't just go to one doctor and like, OK, this person's right. You know, I'm, I'm going to just jump right into this surgery. Right. Yep. You kind of you kind of like trusted your gut a little bit, not to play on words, but <laughs> you trusted your instincts. Right. And you kind of like went with it. And I think that's that's something that almost has a stigma right now in, at least in America, I can't speak for cultures outside of where I'm at, but it's, it's strange. Cause you, you know, you want to ask those kinds of questions like, well, what, what else could this be? Cause there's, there's, it's complex. There's so much contextual information that we take for granted on a day-to-day -day basis, like living in a space with mold. Like you wouldn't have thought about that unless you went to go see the nathro the the naturopath, right? I mean, yes. The well, only I reason you, <laughs> oh well, of course, and you have yeah. like those, you know, those instinctual like, hmm, maybe it's this, but it it really comes back to that the diet. And when I when I say the word diet, I don't mean what what it is we're just eating, right? It's like the things that we are consuming around us at all times. Your living environment. Uh, the air you're breathing, the water you're drinking, the amount of time you spend staring at a screen um, inside underneath fluorescent lights versus the sunlight, right? Like all of those things play a role on a foundational level to our human physique. And it's if you if you didn't have that willingness to ask 
and keep asking questions and keep doing your homework, so to speak, you wouldn't have found that answer. I, sh- I shouldn't say answer, but you know, the, the starting point, because <laughs> of course now you're down this other path. So, yeah, it's, uh... I mean, how did you overcome that? Um, how can I, I want to phrase this without making it sound political, <laughs> but how did you overcome that, that stigma to like not ask questions and just accept what the doctor's telling you to maybe I should like kind of do some research here. Cause that's not an easy transition for somebody to do. I mean, that takes a significant shift in perspective. Yeah. Um, I think the unfortunate thing is for me, I was struggling so much and in such excruciating pain that I actually felt like I was fighting for my life in that I, you know, I truly, you know, my my naturopathic doctor said it best. You actually can't trust where your brain is going right now because your brain is toxic after you've been exposed to all these things. Right. And, you know, my brain started to be like, I felt like I was spiraling down into like my downfall. (laughs) Like this was it. I mean, I, I, you're going to laugh and, or maybe not, but I wrote a will finally because I was in such a dark place with not getting answers and not having any relief. And I think that I really just quickly before I move on, want to touch on that. I think one of the things that I think has also been most misunderstood as I've shared this experience with people um, is that it, it, for me, it was actually very fear driven. And I think there's so many things that exist out there. There obviously also cause fear, but we have things like cancer, or if you break a leg or things that are very tangible, and there are very well known treatment methods that do have high rates of success in Western medicine. Certainly, yeah. there's a time and a place for those things. But I think there's this and I think we'll probably get into this a lot more. But there is this whole entire universe of diseases, of conditions that just they fall into the abyss and um, people don't understand them, including doctors themselves. Right. They they don't fit. Western medicine has trained doctors to look for a to look statistically at things. You know, this is statistically the probability that this person has this. And then from there, statistically, probability wise, this is the medicine or these are the series of medicines that have a chance of helping them. But then you get from Western medicine, the percentage of those people that aren't helped by those things, or that don't fit into a box, we love to not fit into boxes. And I sure do love to not fit in a box in general. (laughs) And this has completely fit the mold on that. No pun intended. Um, (laughs) But you know, it's, uh, it's a very scary and dark place mentally when nobody can give you a single answer, even the people that you rely on and think are these, you know, experts. And you've, you know, I remember being a kid, I was actually pre-medicine, started my career in stem cell research and biology. I I feel like I I understand this field better than, you know, other people do um, in certain ways, just having spent time in it. And it was very, very eye-opening for me to realize that these experts actually aren't experts at all. They're just experts at diagnosing things when, um, when they fit a certain rubric and when they don't, it's the wild, wild west and you have to figure it out for yourself. So to answer your question, you know, for me, I was in a, I was in a place of desperation where I just literally felt like I didn't have the choice. 
Um, I'm also very stubborn and do need to get to the answer and the bottom of things. And I guess, yeah, it, it did just kind of, kind of came down to a place of needing to understand and get answers and ask questions. And um, I think an unfortunate thing that happened for me were there were a number of times throughout my treatment, which like I said, I'm still very much in the midst of, but where I had a, a couple doctors, including that original internal medicine doctor, actually say to me in in an appointment that drug that you're suggesting might be good here doesn't actually have any effect on Lyme disease or on H. pylori or these vector-based infections. Um, and a very quick Google search yields the fact that a very significant part of the treatment plan that is given by other doctors. And so when you're faced with literally just seeing something that, you know, a per, any person who understands any degree of science can understand is just not true. Um, it's very eye-opening and makes you realize that nobody's perfect. And, you know, it's not even necessarily their fault on a personal level. And I don't even think that they're necessarily being extremely ignorant. I think um, it's just they're, they're humans too, right? And they have significant right. limitations. Um, and so it's very much, especially when you're in the wild, wild west, it's up to us to empower ourselves to find that information ourselves and put the pieces together. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think you highlighted a, a pretty significant point there. Uh, it is, there is a system to all of this, right? I mean, someone prescribing something, a doctor prescribing something that they're really not supposed to, they're, you know, they're placing their license on the line, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that they're doing it intentionally to cause you harm or to point you down the wrong direction. You know, most often than not, it's one of those scenarios where like they, um, they're either unaware or they haven't done the amount of homework that you have, right? They haven't asked the same questions and there's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's one thing if the person's being like maliciously trying to, you know, sabotage that that's another story, yeah. which I'm hoping, I'm hoping you did not encounter that, but you know, uh, the big piece of that is the idea and the concept that as, as humans, we don't really know it all, right? There are pieces to the puzzle that we just were unaware of. And in order to get there, like we mentioned, you kind of have to start by asking questions and, you know, that's, that's going to look different for everybody. Um, I, I apologize and I'm sorry to hear that it, it came to you in the form of like experiencing such pain before you got to that, right? Until, until you got to that perspective. Um, I don't want to make this about me, but like for me with, with the, with the pandemic, I think one of the silver linings kind of brought me or brought my attention more to this kind of perspective of, of looking outside of the box, thinking outside of the box, um, doing some homework and, and some like deep research about things that aren't necessarily readily available in your, you know, your go-to doctor kit. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I, I'm I'm hesitant to say that, especially on a podcast, because I know that there's a stigma around that. It makes it makes people look at you, you know, like you're crazy. What do you mean you're you're taking this herbal medicine? But at the same time, being open to that kind of treatment, or at the very least, researching and learning about that kind of treatment, 
is a step in a direction that you wouldn't have taken if you hadn't yet learned to ask the question first, right? Westernized medicine is so centered around treating the symptom, but Mm -hmm. a lot of times, and I've just learned this, like I was talking about from my delve into this since the pandemic started, you know, a, a lot of times symptoms are a result of misdiagnosis, right? So like, you know, you're prescribed this one drug and it's, you're trying to solve this one symptom, but in the meantime, it's creating another symptom. And then you go to the doctor about that symptom. And then you're, you end up chasing symptoms. Whereas if you kind of approach things from the root cause, you know, you can kind of solve, hopefully all of those things within one specific approach rather than several different approaches. And I, again, that, that, there's context to all that. I don't want to make it sound like I'm a doctor because I'm <laughs> certainly not providing any medical advice here, listeners. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. <laughs> all I'm trying to say is there are options out there and you have to, you have to learn to be open to digging. Um, you're going to find information that's incorrect and you're going to find information that's correct. So you have to kind of also hone that skill of like, okay, critical reading, critical analysis. Is this legit? Um, where was this study published? Is it in like, you know, science.com or is it in like PubMed? Like where, right? Like where are these data sets coming from? So I guess where I'm going with this, Laura, how did you learn to overcome that hill of analyzing like authentic, critical, like this is correct. I think this is correct. This is definitely not true. Like how did you overcome that mountain to, to find your approach? Oh, I'm, I have not overcome the mountain. I'm taking rest steps on my way up the mountain (laughs) as we speak. Journey. It's, it is definitely a journey and it's a journey. I think that I'll be on forever. Um, there's a really great article that was in the New York times about this. Um, and it was a guy who I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but had sort of poo pooed a lot of the naturopathic type of approaches to medicine in the past until he was diagnosed with Lyme disease and he ended up writing this, this um, uh, article in the paper that was called something along the lines of how I learned to become extremely open-minded. And, you know, I think for many people, again, you almost can't blame people. If you don't go through an experience like this, you, you've you just grown up to trust Western medicine, right? Right, um, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And and bless those people who have never had to be exposed to the system. If there's one thing that I can actually do, it's to kind of crack this open. And, and when people do, God forbid, get to the place where they really need to also think for themselves and, and make some tough decisions when it comes to either their family or their loved one's healthcare, um, I think being prepared to answer, you know, to ask those hard questions is important. But in the article, he basically talks about, you know, you need a combination of, of all things. And when you get to a place where you're so desperate and you're dealing with something like an autoimmune disease, which doesn't really have a lot of answers, or it is quite challenging and takes years to get to the root cause, you get to this place where you actually just have no other option but to become really open-minded and say, okay, maybe the Western medicine will work, but what else you got for me? You know, like what else is on the right. menu that I could potentially try? And I think just from all of my reading and, and listening to other people who have gone through these experiences, um, 
you know, they, they do find relief in, in these different things that they maybe perhaps wouldn't have considered before. You know, I was, I kind of grew up in a conservative family that almost would, you know, kind of push off some of these like hippie tactics or, or routines, right? Like we don't do yoga, that type of thing. And like now, you know, I'm in there doing some of these treatments that obviously there's mixed reviews on, um, But, you know, if it's helping me, and even if it's a placebo effect, I mean, the amount of studies, real studies that are out there talking about the, you know, the placebo effect and the effect that that has on people from a mental perspective. um, There's actually a fantastic book, I would say it's one of the best books that I've read in the past few years, that's called Cured by Jeffrey Rediger. And his entire book is about um, he's he's a really you know well renowned and respected physician, and he essentially started to see these patterns in his you know decades in medicine, where some people just went into spontaneous remission from these diseases that they never would have expected that they could have gone in remission from. And what did those people do? They changed their lives. They took on these kinds of diagnosis, these kinds of diagnoses and these situations that could destroy one person. And these people decided to take it on and empower themselves and ask questions and say, how can I be doing better? What else could I be, you know, where else do I need to work on myself? And that could be anything from going to, you know, a place that's really healing for them geographically in the world and stepping away from the stressors of everyday life, um, you know, all the way to to, like healing a fractured relationship with their kids that has just been quite literally killing them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just being very open to all of these different therapies, whether they be a mix of Western medicine with naturopathy, with, you know, healing from trauma or rearranging your life to really accommodate the type of life that you want. And there's some just unbelievable stories in that book that that really, you know, even from a physician's perspective, he just couldn't quite explain other than um, chalking it up to the open-mindedness of people and the willingness to, to ask questions and seek out different types of healing that uh, maybe aren't just the traditional kind that come from, you know, a white room with one window. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I think um, in order to, I'm going to play on words here with the whole betterism thing, but in order to become better, you know, we have to adopt that mindset of we're, we're, not, we're not at our best and we're never going to be. And that's not, I don't mean to say that in a sense that with uh, it's coded in like a negative connotation. I mean that in a sense of what you're kind of saying of, of having that open-mindedness of how can I improve, how can I improve my current circumstance, right? A lot of times the, the bigger the thing that needs to be changed, uh, bleh, can't talk, the bigger the thing that needs to be changed also needs a bigger uprooting process, right? Like if you're looking for like a small little shift, like you might not need to adapt much in your life. But, you know, if it's something that's significant, that has a lot of stress around it, you know, a lot of times that takes a lot of deep work to get there. And it's difficult to do that, especially within American culture, where we're so used to having things just fed to us and you know here's just take this medicine and you'll be okay right and it's it's not always going to be that easy especially with something that is attacking you from such a root angle something like mold right like that's not none of those doctors 
knew what what it was because they've never had to conduct that kind of research or diagnose a patient within that realm. And I, you know, I don't want to put my mm-hmm. words in their mouth, of course, but that's something that is unusual. And like you said, it's kind of throwing it into that big ocean of like, we don't know. Whereas right. if you take a different approach rather than chasing the symptom and you kind of trace the steps back and try to address what the root cause is, which by the way, almost always comes back to stress, um, whether that's physical stress or mental stress. Environmental um, stress. In, yeah. Environmental stress, right? Again, there's so many different factors, but a lot of times it comes back to that. And again, the, the, the bigger and the better you want to make that change the more willing you have to be in order to apply those changes and really like uproot the, the core foundation of what is going on. And that's certainly not easy to do. So I I can empathize and I can understand why so many people are willing to just kind of say, okay, well, I'll just take this medicine. The doctor says it's okay. Or I'll do this surgery because the doctor said this is going to fix me. But until we are open and we, and we cure ourselves. I have to check out that book, by the way. <laughs> and we, once we, once we cure that, that, um, that mental block, it kind of opens us to the path of finding your, your journey, so to speak. Um, I'd mentioned earlier, like co- co- when COVID hit, you know, I really kind of started paying more attention to my own health, probably out of paranoia, but the silver lining there is like, I started to pick up little, little things that I could apply to my life to kind of tweak things here and there. Now, again, I was fortunate. I I didn't get as sick as you. And I'm so sorry you had to go through that to get to your, the point you're at, but I did find a lot of resources. Um, I found a lot of, uh, like search hubs that were not just Google, right? Like Google, as I hope most of my listeners know, Google will filter your results based on what you've searched prior. So it's not giving you an accurate representation of information you're looking for. Um, so I guess why I'm ranting right now and where I'm going with this, um, what kind of resources do you have aside from the book, which sounds phenomenal, what kind of resources do you have or you could provide or recommend for listeners who are who are already open and looking for a place to start, looking for a, pay, a place to kind of begin that journey of, of inner connection to find their, their root causes, their, their root problems beyond just what the doctor is telling them. Do you have any sources? Do you have any yeah. resources? Do you have any um, books, recommendations, any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, there, there's a few different avenues. Um, one, you know, and I know that this is cost prohibitive for a lot of people, and certainly it was not a cost that I had factored into my 2021 budget, but working with an integrative medicine doctor um, and almost and at times if you had to make a choice favoring them over a GP or at least trying to pop in to see them once a year. And if there's even small little tests that you can do with them, you know, even if it's every five years and you set aside the money for that, I mean, what better thing could you set aside money for, right? Like let's skip the fancy dinners out for a few times that year and go get a panel of tests where really empowering yourself to, you know, know what's actually going on with your body. Like, I, I actually, I rewatched the movie Collateral Beauty last night, which I don't know if you've seen it, the Will Smith movie, but he essentially goes through, he goes through this trauma of losing his, his uh, six-year-old daughter to cancer. And he has to like refine joy in his life. And an old lady says to him at one point, you know, 
at, as they're sitting in the hospital about to lose a daughter, look for the collateral beauty in life. And I love that because that's actually sort of how I've seen this whole journey for me is like, yes, this has been really crappy that it's happened, but the collateral beauty of it is that I have never felt more empowered to, you know, first of all, realize we're all going to die one day. I thought I was going to. Um, and so it's up to me to feel empowered, to take my own health into my own hands. And that might mean working with a doctor that really, truly cares about me and is able to look at things like, you know, not just your typical blood panels and things like that, which obviously are great to do as well. But, you know, a lot of those tests that we do at our annual checkups would not catch 90% of the things that really can become issues or can start to kind of, you know, damper your, your overall health situation or look for things right. like inflammation. I mean, one of the things that we also did was go through some food sensitivities and helped me understand that, you know, dairy and gluten are big no-nos for me. And those were actually contributing to a heck of a lot of inflammation in my body. If I now am empowered to have that information and now I can avoid those things and go to the grocery store, you know, every week and make informed decisions that is going to keep the inflammation in my body down. Fantastic. I think data is really helpful and you know that that data is going to be very specific to you, right? Um, yeah. There's also companies out there called, like one called Viome, which is essentially allowing people and empowering people to, you send in like a sample of your poop and they basically take a look at your microbiome and they say, you know, here's what we're seeing. Um, and here are some different areas where you can really help diversify your microbiome because a lot of issues also start in the gut. You know, there's, there's also yes. so much that needs to be discovered. And I think we could have a whole nother chat about the, the microbiome and gut health, but you know, people are finding these days that, and there's still so much to know, but that gut health and your immune system and all of these different things are actually more important than your, your DNA itself. Right. Like we all thought yeah. that we all thought that when we, we finally sequenced the genome and, and we had all the answers to what's in our DNA that that was going to solve everything. But that's not actually the answer. The answer to our personal wellness and health lies in epigenetics, right? And what is that? That's the expression of your genes based on how you behave as a human and the decisions that you make. And so I think this all kind of comes back to empowering yourself, whether it be via um, a doctor, like like one of those, or there are a plethora of resources that are out there online if you can't afford to go to a doctor. Um, you know, he's a little out there, but um, Dave Asprey does mm. a lot of this like biohack, biohacking type of stuff where he has basically taken every medicine and supplement under the sun. <laughs> and, you know, he, he started the bulletproof coffee and, and kind of, um, really tears apart all these different parts of, you know, self-empowered, um, trying different things to really optimize for the best health. Um, and so, you know, I would definitely not recommend to, uh, follow everything that Dave Asprey does because he does a lot of kind of crazy things. Um, you know, in the interest of, of trying to uh, be, I guess, like a, a test case for a lot of uh, other people. But there definitely are some, some nuggets of advice that can help us take our own health into to better uh, hands. There's also a really great um, podcaster, and he's really an overall just kind of naturopathic guru type. Um, Chris Cresser is his name. 
he -hmm. has a podcast out there as well. I forget. I think it's, it's called something health. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but um, fantastic. He had his own sort of traumatizing experience where he spent a decade chasing answers and trying to really figure out what was going on at at the root cause. And um, he has a lot of really great information as well. And just listening to his podcast once a week would really put people on a better path, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of good podcasts. I've been listening. Uh, the one I was listening to was called um, Mito Life Radio, M-I-T-O. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the founder's name is Matt Blackburn. Um, same thing. You know, he's kind of part of that biohacking community where, you know, there's a lot of things that he does and he experiments and, you know, uses that biohacking self. There's things he does that I wouldn't necessarily do with my own biology right but yeah i think it, the important part and to tie this back to what we we're talking about before is learning how to kind of use that critical lens and like you know when you when you learn something new like yes this i want to try this this seems safe this might work for me or no that you know i don't agree with that and i don't necessarily want to try it i think you need to kind of set your own criteria for what you would like to experiment with and what you would not like to experiment with me personally i i strictly organics i try to avoid synthetics at all costs that's yep. just me. Right. Yep. But, but I think part of it, that's doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, I think yeah. there's so many different angles you can take with that. I mean, there's, and there's things out there that we, that are labeled organic that aren't actually organic. And that's a whole nother red pill that we can like jump down. I don't, again, I use that term lightly. I know there's a stigma behind the term red pill too, but it's one of those things like you, you start digging down this path, down this rabbit hole, and you start learning things um, that can be applicable to your life or can really damage your life. So you really need to understand when you do kind of start utilizing these resources, like you need to understand your body first and foremost, like what works Mm -hmm. best for you, what makes you feel good, what makes you feel bad. A lot of times symptoms can manifest themselves in ways that you would not expect, just like your story with the mold, right? That's something that you, you wouldn't, that's not the first thought to cross anyone's mind, including the, what'd you say, 17 doctors that you went to before you yep. saw the one, right? Yep. I mean, that's something that is such an underlying thing that most people don't even think about. And that goes for so many other things as well, including foods. I mean, the amount of iron that is in most of the foods we consume, even the organic stuff, because of the soil just being depleted after years and years and years and years of, of industrial farming, like, you know, it's one of those things where, okay, like, do I really need to take an iron supplement because I eat all of these veggies? Like I probably don't. But again, I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience, but my point is once you start to connect your own dots, you can kind of start painting your own picture and you start to see the path that is meant for you. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's a long winded way of asking, how did you find out that your path was your path? With regard to the the health issues, you mean, or just, I mean, yeah, it's um, overall, yeah, your your overall health, well being, mental, physical, however you would like to take that. But how, how like, you're down this journey. Right? You're like you said, you're nowhere near the end of it. But mm-hmm. how do you how do you know right now? Again, we can't really read future, but how do you know <laughs> right now that you're on you're walking the right path where you should be? I mean, I think it just comes from the desire to get better every day, right? And like also just, I've been really trying to focus 
you were kind of alluding to this before, so I'm going to run with it, like getting um, more focused and like doing more deep work um, and like yeah. really digging into things and, <clears throat> and doing what just feels right for me, trusting my own gut. Um, so one of the blessings of this COVID, you know, quarantine and spending a lot of time by ourselves is um, I've really taken the last year or two to like quiet down all the noise, actually, ironically, listening to less podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just like I heard it on a podcast the other day, um, something about, you know, like we we used to live in this world where, um, you know, we actually couldn't avoid solitude. You know, if you were standing in line when you didn't have a screen that you were able to yeah. a lot of time thinking about your personal needs, your, um, you know, yourself, just kind of have that empty space to ruminate on things and, and figure out just what really you're more in touch with yourself. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. these days, given that we're all on screens all the time, we don't get that opportunity. And so I think I've really tried to turn off the devices and um, cut out some of that noise and strike that balance of really doing deep work and informing myself and spending a lot of time. People I do actually trust, like some of these integrative medicine doctors that I've found I actually really can rely on and have my best interests in mind and aren't driven by the pharmaceutical industry that they're telling me. Um, and then taking that away and sitting down and meditating things, which is something I had never really done before on all of that information that I've done and all that research and, and stuff that I've done, um, you know, and, and gone deep on versus just kind of reading things on much more of a shallow level. Um, so it really does just does come down to not to be super cliche, but doing that self work um, and cutting out the noise and trusting in myself that I'm going to find the right thing and and also trusting that if I make a mistake, I know that I'll get myself back on track because I know myself well enough to recognize that mistake, if that makes mm. sense. Absolutely. Um, solitude is a necessity. It's not just for introverts. <laughs> you no. know, that's that's one of those things that, like you said, we don't, as humans, because we're just surrounded and bombarded with all kinds of screens <laughs> everywhere from billboards to TVs to phones. I mean, shit, I live by the ocean here and there are literally boats in the summer that drive by with giant billboard screens. Like you, <laughs> you can't escape it. Right. But you have, it's important and it's necessary to carve out some solitude for yourself. So you can take all of this information that you've been doing all of this hard, deep work on all of this research, all of this learning, all of these quote unquote red pills, right. You're, you're, you're reflecting on them in a sense where you're meditating and you're meditating. All it does is it demuddies the water. So you can see a little more clearly. It's not going to give you the answer, but it forces you to kind of tune out, like you said, tune out all of that noise. So you can have a better chance and a clearer chance in finding the answer that's going to best suit you. That's not easy to do. I know it sounds very easy and I know I'm probably, you know, it sounds like I'm on my soapbox right now. I, I hope it doesn't come off that way, but it probably does. I'm not trying to, but it's one of those things where the only person that can do that is you. You can listen to podcasts, you can watch YouTube videos, you can read books, you can read articles, you can research and find studies. But at the end of the day, until you sit down and take that time to reflect in that solitude, it's not going to do anything. It's so I, you're spot I, on with that. It's you it's, just 
you have to put in the work. And, you know, that's kind of why I loved that book, Cured, because it really dove into so many aspects that people just don't necessarily think about when it comes to wellness. You know, I mean, there's just so mm. much wellness crap out there on Instagram these days and the Internet of, you know, pushing these detoxes and these like, I, don't get me wrong, I'll drink some reishi mushroom like tea or coffee when, yeah, right. when the moment calls for it. But I think so many of the most inspiring stories come from like it's the it's sort of like identifying what's essential. Right. Like it's very easy to, to clutter ourselves with all these other things. But when you strip it back and just get back to what's really essential, I think that's where um, a lot of like healing actually comes and where you can really, truly listen to yourself. And then you just learn to lean and depend on that. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's really been uh, the one thing I will say, though on top of that. Um, that was a huge lesson for me this past year is I felt like I had a network, right? Because we all feel like we have a network because we have all of our friends on Instagram. Um, and like, yay, we have followers and people who send us likes when we post something and right. Like right. you have your the network. dopamine hit. <laughs> yeah. The dopamine hit. Um, but I, this year has also like kind of detoxed my life of a lot of that dopamine hit and the, that kind of fake feeling of a network. And again, the deep work and the deep things I, I really leaned into, um, creating like truly a support network and actually being much more open open than I think I have in the past to embracing support and like building my team, whether that be doctors that I really trust or friends that I know like you that I can, you know, just shoot the, you know, shoot the S on, <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> about like right. any topic and really truly get into it. And, you know, I think um, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, ironically on Instagram DMs, but just saying it's so rare that, you know, I think so many of us just want to throw our phones out the windows because most of the time you don't really get that, that network or that level of support or that deep level of connection with people. And I find mm -hmm. that when I've stripped everything back to the essentials, I just can't do a lot of the not deep work or not deep support network anymore. Um, and I've just really embraced, you know, for example, Doreen at the mattress store has now become one of my besties. Her and I have a chat once a week. I stop into Naturepedic in Denver. And because we That's have awesome. this, this common interest in health and, and true wellness you know, at its core and helping each other and supporting each other through, you know, what's now kind of a chronic health journey. And because um, she she has Lyme disease. And so, she, you know, she's very up and down. And when I stop in, sometimes I can see when she's up that day or when she's down. And um, I just think that as important as solitude is, that's what we all really need, right? Is much more of that like deep connection uh, and maybe fewer of them, but deep and and really uh, leaning into that support network. Yeah, I think it's a, it's incredibly important to establish that that team, that tribe, whatever you want to call it. Um, it. Being able to express ideas in a forum that's open where you know you're not going to be criticized or judged for expressing an idea is pretty important um you know it's 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 kind of awkward these days because you can't really do that as much like you said social media like the second you publish something you're you're putting yourself on a forum where like you're you're open you're yourself you're making yourself vulnerable to a crowd of people that are going to judge you 
mm-hmm. right? And it's that there's nothing you can do about that because that's literally the basis of social media. However, you can also use those social media tools to establish teams and tribes and communities that will do the opposite. But that, like you said, it takes work to kind of find those people and then kind of keep up the work to maintain those relationships. And that's, it's also important to remember that that's a two-way street, right? As much as, as much as you want to take from that, those types of relationships, you also have to be willing and able to provide because that's, that's, that's what establishes that relationship. And I found um, the more that I I learn and, and research and, and dig around about like these quote unquote alternative health methods. Um, when I find somebody like yourself who I'm able to kind of uh, express and bounce ideas off of, it helps, it helps me figure out if it's BS or not. Like, yeah. okay, she's heard of this too. Like I can't be crazy. Right. Like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, she's heard of it. It didn't work for her, but she, you know, maybe she hears some validity in it and like, I'll give it a try. I think having that communication channel um, is super important because it helps you, it helps your solitude. It kind of contributes to those moments where you do need to find your own oneness. You can kind of reflect on like what's going on in your immediate tribe. And social media doesn't lend itself to that as well. You kind of, especially these days when it's dominated by the, the algorithm and the, you know, the, the left versus right or the anti-vax versus the pro-vax or whatever divide you want you know, whatever the divide the government wants to <laughs> unleash or bestow upon us, once you're able to separate yourself from that intentional divisive propaganda and you create those tribes, that's where the authentic deep work happens. But in right. order, to, it's kind of crazy because in order to get there in the first place, you have to first do the deep work to get to those moments, to get to those communities, which is, it's a challenge. <laughs> I always love the the line. I can't remember if it was who they attribute it to, if it's Einstein or what, but the the quote, the problem with the world is that the intelligent people are so full of doubts and the stupid ones are full of confidence. Mm, I think it's I Bukowski. Always, it's yeah. Bukowski, that's right. I always love that quote because it's just like, nobody knows anything. You know, we're all just speculating. We're in this minutia of an amount of time here. And I think, if somebody is, if somebody is so sure of something, then that makes me that that's a red flag, right? Like, Oh, yeah, make, absolutely. I need to make a meme about this, like red flag right there. If somebody thinks that they know everything, I think I'm always open for dialogue. And, um, you know, I think we have to be really, like, cautious and careful about the dialogues that we engage in. Because if you engage with somebody who maybe isn't as open-minded, then yeah, that's not going to be a fruitful conversation or, or relationship. Um, just circling back, I wanted to say one other thing about, um, you know, just, uh, the social media use and all of that. Um, I was listening to a podcast with Cal Newport about deep work the other day. Mm. And something that I just absolutely love that I've been reflecting on a bit since is, you know, he basically said, when you try to approach things like that, whether it be social media or whether it be friendships or whether it just be any aspect of your life, your diet, Whenever we approach that from a place of, I'm going to take something away, I'm going to restrict, I'm going to, Instagram's bad for me, I'm going to take it out of my life. You know, what we 
what we, uh, what's the quote, what we uh, restrict persists basically, right? Like what mm-hmm. we push away, you say, I can't have that ice cream in the freezer. You damn well know you're going to be eating that ice cream at one <laughs> in the morning. Like same thing with Instagram. We take it off of our phone and we say, it's bad for me. I'm going to take it off. You, you last five or six days and then it goes right back on your phone and you're right back to where you started. The problem with that is that we're not making an intentional decision build, you know, this to um, look for that solitude or to build like what is our idea of what we actually want instead. So instead, if we approach these things with like, here's my intention, like here is the life that I want to live. For example, when it comes to human connection, personal connection, deep connections, for me, I would say, I really, really value these like, you know, two hour long conversations that I have with a friend over dinner, or I really, really value value when I'm learning something from somebody in the mountains or teaching something to somebody in the mountains. Or I really, really value these like just really interesting conversations that I have with open-minded people around healthcare and how we can make these systems better. I'm going to then use those values in this dream and this vision that I have to then use that to frame my social media use. So I'm going to, rather than restrict and take away, I'm going to set an intention of this is how I want to live my life and then figure out how these different pieces can work for me and how they slot into that life. So that might mean, you know, connecting with, and I, as I have, um, you know, people who are interested in these same things with social media, but perhaps then limiting that and taking that outside of there to really truly connect with them in real life or have a podcast conversation with them or jam on some different ideas or just reach out to them in a different format where we can really have a dialogue and be much more deep and productive and I think just caring on a human level. And so I think it's really making all of these things work for us rather than the opposite, us work for them. And I think you could say the same thing about the healthcare system or any of these other things as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that. It's important to recognize that we're humans, right? We, we, can set the, we can set the intents as much as we want, but we also have to be mindful that like we all make mistakes. And if you mm-hmm. mess up, like that's, it's okay, right? Like it's not the end of the world. Like, you know what you have to do to correct yourself. Like, don't beat yourself up. Just, okay, correct yourself. Not a huge deal. I, I don't mean to keep tying it back to this, but the, <laughs> I follow the um, middle life guy on Instagram and he's, his whole thing is like, this is kind of a strange parallel, but you'll see where I'm going with this. His whole thing is he's very anti PUFA. So he, uh, PUFA is polyunsaturated uh, fatty acids. Mm-hmm. So he's very, he's very against omega threes, omega sixes, um, with reason from some of the research I've been reading that he's been putting out makes a lot of sense. But anyway, he talks about how much like don't consume like, you know, French fries soaked in oil. Don't consume like nuts and seeds because they're soaked in all of these uh, poofas. And it's funny because he'll he'll like preach all of this. But then like on a Friday night, he'll post a picture of like a cheeseburger and a beer. And then <laughs> he, he he will literally do it almost in a in a trolley way to like trigger people so he can then point out the fact that like yeah it's important to care about your health but like don't be so ocd about it to the point where like you you're literally not enjoying life anymore right <laughs> i so love that that's, the humor again, I'm, is fantastic <laughs> right and it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like it, yeah okay you you have your intents and you you know what you want to do and you have this 
this this guideline kind of helping you but like life is life and like sometimes you're gonna you're gonna take a sidestep and you're gonna hit an obstacle and you you can't do the thing that you want to do right you can't okay yeah you missed your you have this crazy supplement regimen that you follow every night and like one night you sleep over friends and you left your you know your pillbox at home like you're you know pr- provided it's not <laughs> medication it's life or death medication you're you're not gonna die right you yeah you might feel a little off the next day but like don't beat yourself up you know, make up for it when you come back, you know, you eat that cheeseburger. It's okay. Have, have the beer. It's not going to kill you. Don't let these things affect you in such a negative way where it's literally sucking all of the joy out of life because the, the joy is what makes all of those things worth doing in the first place. And if you don't have that, you don't have the other piece. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. I have a wonderful friend who I actually just spoke with this morning and she um, does a lot of health and wellness coaching for women and um, helping them become strong and empowering them to just, you know, kind of become their best selves in all different regards. And one of the lovely things that she puts out there is like pick a baseline, right? Like don't you don't have to be the best every single day. You need to find a baseline. Like maybe, you know, for me personally, it's like there, no matter how bad I'm feeling, I'm going to get 10,000 steps that day. Um, Mm. you know, like that's my baseline. If I don't do a strength workout, which is a lot of days lately, if I, if I, (laughs) you know, like, or, you know, maybe it's, I'm going to eat one donut and not five donuts, like pick a baseline that is, you know, allows you the balance of I'm still indulging and I'm still enjoying my life and it's not going to ruin my life. It's not to an extreme, but I, but you know, I'm still also keeping myself in of wellness and healthiness that I know is a boundary for me that if I go beyond that, then it's not good. Right. And I think right. we're, we're not perfect, but setting that baseline and that sort of non-negotiable with yourself, I, I really liked the idea of that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, as, uh, as systematic as Tim Ferriss is the, you know, the infamous Tim mm-hmm. Ferriss podcaster, he, his whole thing is like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set one cheat day every week. And like, if I don't use the cheat day and I follow my regimen, great. But if I, you know, if I use that cheat day and I do have, you know, six donuts, okay, that's what the cheat day is for. It's there so I can I can remain mentally well and mm-hmm. still live my life. But then also, okay, tomorrow's not my cheat day. I'm going to come back to my regular routine. You know, having that that regimen and that openness with yourself to be fluid in those kinds of situations really makes the process a lot easier. Not to say that it's easy, but it makes the process easier, Um, especially when it comes to setting up and finding your own routines and your own things, whether it's in regards to your diet or your health or not. I mean, it could be something simple like, you know, checking your emails, right? Like I, I have this thing where like, I don't check emails Friday right after work, personal or work emails, not doing it. Nope. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's Friday. This is happy hour. I'm going out to see my friends or I'm going to come home, read a book, whatever it is. I'm not doing anything work related. And that includes, sorry, betterism listeners, that includes betterism, right? Like that's (laughs) one of those things, like I have to separate myself so I can have a piece of that solitude. Like we were talking about, I have a piece of that, that I can, I can rely on because I know it's there every Friday. I'm going to hit it. You know what I mean? I, on, on that Chris Cresser podcast, I was listening to the other day, he said he often really structures his time and sets firm boundaries on things like that. And, uh, he says a lot of people say, oh, I could never set boundaries like that. It just seems so structured and seems like you leave no room for fun. And actually he said quite the contrary. I actually feel like I 
fully embrace my fun time, my me time, my family time. I set aside mm. time to spend with my daughter, he said, because, you know, that's dedicated time that I know I got nothing else to worry about and I'm going to have no interruptions. And it's like living more fully in each moment in whatever it is that you're doing. And I think that intentionality and it all kind of comes back to that, like knowing yourself and, and aligning everything with that. Um, it it really, I, I buy into it. I buy what y'all are selling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, Laura, uh, this is, uh, I think this is a good spot to kind of start to wrap things up. You want to switch over to the um, rapid fire questions? Sure, hit me. Cool. I So I call them rapid fire, as you know, since you've been on the show before. Mm-hmm. Your answers don't have to be rapid. My only stipulation is because the first question is about books. I don't want you to name the same book that you already listed. <laughs> okay, fair what, enough. <laughs> what book are you currently reading right now? I got, would you a good, recommend it? I got a great one for you. Um, I'm going to cheat me. a little bit because I just finished this book a couple of days ago, but I need everybody to know about it. Um, I just finished The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. And I might mm. have even mentioned uh, on the last time that we spoke, one of my other favorite books of hers is called The Great Alone, all about yeah. Alaska. And it's just, oh, it's one of those books that you just open up and you just can't set down. And I'm not even a huge reader of that kind of stuff generally, but a friend of mine recommended The Nightingale to me. And as soon as I found out it was about the same author that or written by the same author that I knew that I already loved, I picked it up and it's a, you know, it's about, it's about World War II. It's a, it's a dark time. Um, but at the same time, if people are looking for something that just will completely take you out of your entire world right now, that book is the book. So yeah, it's, it's a really great one. Um, so that's, that's what I got for you. I gotta, I gotta hit my list. I've just finished a few of these. Um, I've been going down the the health path recently with my books. Yeah, same. I feel like again, since since it's been on my radar a lot much more lately, I've been like kind of adding more of those types of books to my queue, which is funny because my bookshelf at home is mostly, strangely enough, since I just finished writing a novel about this, it, there's a lot of like AI books, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, all right, enough with the robots. I wanna I wanna find something else. So I've been adding more and more like health books to my queue mm-hmm. here. So, um. It's uh, it's one of those things you got electric electricity. It's one of those uh, you got you got to have a variety, a little spice of life, you know. I'm kind of cool with just you know, good reads sometimes, and it's like you can tell I went down this path of like mental health interests and then like right. physical <laughs> health interests and then chronic health interests and you know, and then one day I just randomly decided to start reading fantasy. You know, like you can just see yeah. my like the way my brain works. So please don't look me up on Goodreads. I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's on private, but it's embarrassing nonetheless. It's so funny. I publish at the end of every year. I publish, you know, Binger's reads of 21 or 22, whatever it is. And it's funny because I'll always get comments when there's like a string of, uh, you know, uh, whatever genre. Like last this past year, there was like a string of poetry trap books. I think it was like it was like 11 of them. <laughs> I was just That's like, so I don't know. Great. I was just I was just feeling poetry. Like I just got on this kick and like I just wanted to read some poetry trap books. I don't know. I love <laughs> you know? it. But I, I feel like it. that's important because it it keeps you on your toes, number one. But it also it keeps your your mind uh, engaged in multiple outlets, so you're not just always reading about one specific niche area, right? I love to write fiction, but that doesn't mean I always want to read fiction because it it would get boring if that's all I did, right? Yep, absolutely. So, 
I don't know. I think that's important. Don't be embarrassed about that. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I, the only thing I keep telling you is that you got to start your book club. Fingers book I do. club. BBC. The uh, better like, BBC. <laughs> the better BBC, right? Yeah, right. Fe- featured on betterism. <laughs> and more than just like publishing go. a list, we need to actually like all link up. Yeah. We'll get that going. Cool. Um, all right, cool. So question two, um, what's your favorite meal, if it's, this has changed at all from our last episode, your favorite meal uh, to prepare and cook for yourself, for friends and family, um, mm-hmm. at random? Do you have something new in stock? Because I know you've kind of been on a few new paths here, but you know, what's your go-to? I, I think I have a somewhat generic answer to that. And that, in that being, like, I think there's so many people who don't recognize that a lot of the like healthy, low inflammation foods can actually be so dang tasty. You know what I mean? Like, I think people yep. still have this illusion that like you have to eat. So like, I still see people on the gram and stuff like saying, oh, meal prepping and they're throwing like some steamed broccoli and, you know, a plastic Tupperware, which let's don't even get me started on the like pollution or in the, you know, plastic problem and all that but yeah you know like that and I think people don't realize like with some really great tahini or you know I make like a really great maple sriracha salmon like you can do all these and you can throw that these same flavorings on vegetables and make them so delicious and you know a plant-based diet and I still do eat meat here and there and seafood here and there but you know mostly plant-based diet for example doesn't need to be like a prison sentence I think you just got to get creative right um so i really like to kind of spice it up and like bread some eggplant with almond flour or um you know make like a fun sort of israeli dish with uh tahini and and sumac and all these fun spices i think i mentioned that i make a lot of hummus last time so Mm -hmm. uh getting getting creative with with those types of recipes is like introducing introducing people to something that they maybe haven't had before yeah I think, you know, ties back to the whole book thing. Like you got to kind of keep it spicy, like keep changing the things. Otherwise it gets, you get into this routine of, and your body will too, right? Mm -hmm. You'll get into this routine of like, this is what I crave and this is all I can eat. And then the second you do switch it up, even if it's by accident, then your body's going to react. And that's usually never good. (laughs) You know, it's the number one contributor to a healthy gut microbiome is the diversity of plants. That was the headline statement at the uh, international symposium of microbiome and gut health for all these, you know, really, uh, really smart scientists. Like that's their takeaway. And it's so simple, but it's so true. So always keep it interesting. Yeah. I feel like that's, um, it's, tough to do in a country like America where you, you walk into the supermarket and it's like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, like, okay, great. Two options. You know, it's like asparagus. All right. Well, well, where's like the things that like, you have to go to like these fancy stores, you know, whether it's like a whole foods or something to find things that are quote unquote unusual as far as your gut biome goes. But I think it's important to kind of like outreach and try to find those things. It's just like anything. You have to put in a little extra effort, but you know, mm-hmm. we all have a lot of time on our hands. It's just making the choice to do so. Absolutely. Um, and you know, yeah, the, the organic food's a little more expensive, but less expensive than a hospital bed. I just, to, <laughs> just, just the last thing I'll say on that, I was reading an article today. 
you know, like this whole money thing around it. I totally get it. I've spent way more money than I ever planned on, on these things, but you know what? Like so many of the supplements at the grocery store that we all buy, I'm a perfect example. I've got 50 supplements downstairs that I've bought over the years trying to, you know, fix myself. But if only I had not spent the money on those 50 supplements, which were kind of crap because they were grocery store ones. Yeah, invested in working with a naturopathic doctor. And I'm not saying that they're not trying to sell you something because sometimes they are, but somebody who's a little more informed about what actually goes into those supplements, discerning which brands are better than others. You know, even if you see that doctor and then go buy things on your own so they don't get the commission and kickback, you know, like there's ways of kind of tapping into those resources, you know, that money, there's money there. And we've obviously made investments in, you know, buying the, the supplements at the grocery store, or the multivitamins that if we look at that, it might be a better investment to actually put that money, you know, into something that's a little bit more deep and will actually help us. I couldn't agree more. I think it's important. Again, friends, do your homework, <laughs> do your research. It's worth <laughs> it in the end. Um, cool. So I guess that's a good place. We'll, uh, this last question here, we'll kind of tie it all together. But um, what's one betterism that you want listeners to walk away with today? Like one, one life lesson, one thing you think is really going to help them? Ooh. Um, it can right, be I, from the convo or it could be yeah. totally random. It doesn't have to be from what we're talking about. Okay, I've got one from the convo and one that's going to be totally random. Um, The first one, I think you probably could have almost guessed that I was going to say this, but my first one would be think for yourself. Always, like, you know, everybody has an opinion. Everybody, doctors, even the experts, they're all going to try to, you know, impose their own viewpoint based off of the way that they see things. But you know your body the best. You know your mind the best. You really have to take the time to to sit down and dig into that and then trust yourself and think for yourself. And there's nothing wrong. And I always encourage people, like, listen to everything that's out there. Not everything. (laughs) There's some Mm -hmm. things that aren't worth listening to. But take (laughs) take it all in, but make a decision for yourself, right? Um, for me, I think that is the one regret that I have from this past year is that I knew that something was wrong way sooner than I really kind of vocalized that. And I should have trusted myself earlier on. Um, and so mm. I hope that people do feel empowered to do so um, if they ever go on that journey themselves. So that would be sort of my first one. And then my second and sort of final note would be call your people. And what I mean by that is like, we all need to check up on each other more. I was watching this morning, you know, we just lost Bob Saget, right? And he's a celebrity. He got lost. <sighs> we obviously lost yeah. him. Um, and I don't know if you saw it. I would encourage people to see if they can go find this because it actually like brought warmth to my heart today. But um, there was a comedian that I forget his name uh, and uh, John Mayer, for whatever reason, he, that guy just seems to show up in random places <laughs> at random times. And they went to pick up Bob Saget's car at LAX today where he had left it before he got on the flight to Florida. And they decided to do an Instagram live um, where they live, they did a live on the way driving back from the airport where John's driving and he's got tears in his eyes and they're talking about the life of Bob Saget and how Bob like feels so loved and just like every single time he was with people he made them feel like they were the most important person in the world and he did that for like 30,000 people somehow right like yeah right 
he called his people all the time and he let them know how he loved them and was checking up on them and, you know, wanted to take them out for meals. And like, that's the kind of takeaway that I had from just everything I've heard. And from the conversation that they had on that Instagram live was just like how much he cared about people and, and called them. And Bob, if you don't know his backstory, he like lost two of his sisters, like early on in his life all of the reasons in the world to have been, you know, so negative and um, like kind of, you know, slink into the, the background of society. But instead, he chose to step up and step into that and use that as an opportunity to call his people, love them and make sure that they all knew it. And, you know, the sort of final thing that I'll end on is John, I think, said when it came to accounting, like the accounting Bob's life and where everyone stood, they all knew at the very last moment or even at like 7.33 this morning that Bob loved all of them because he let them all know. <laughs> and I love that. And I think that we should all aspire to be like that and kind of have that be how people reflect back on our reflections or on our time with them. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Um, love's where it's at. Love, love drives the world. That is that is the main thing. <laughs> I think Bob definitely embraced that too. So sad. Him and Betty White, both of them had the 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 giantest, biggest, loviest hearts. It's so sad. So sad, but I'm gonna end this right here for you with where's the collateral beauty, right? And the bring it together. The collateral beauty is love is love, and we should all just keep that in the back of our minds and our hearts all the time. So I love it. <laughs> Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show again. I appreciate it. I'm super grateful for your time. I'm glad we could uh, get together and I'm glad you let me pick your brain a little bit. We're definitely going to have to do a round three at some point. Um, where can listeners find you online? Where can they connect? Um, where can they check out some of your work? Do you have a spot, a hub? Yeah, I would say the best place to kind of find all of that information would be to just start on my Instagram. It's Laura Lasowski. So pretty easy. You can just grab it from my my name on, on this podcast. And from there, you can get to some of my other websites and blogs and dig around if, if, you, so, if you so desire to hear more. Awesome. All right, Laura, um, we'll talk again soon. I'll connect with you offline here once we get off, off the call. Um, have a great rest of your night. Thanks, Glenn. Good talking. Yep, yep. Later, later. Well, that's it, friends. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to swing through again. If you'd like to reach out, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at medium.com slash betterism. Be better at whatever it is you're building. And remember, friends, stay learning.